So it's great to be together this morning. Um, and as we continue our journey through the, the first letter of John, First uh, John, and uh, it's helpful to have a quick review. Uh, thank you, Richard, for so eloquently reading that uh, scripture. I don't know, there's something about, there's something about public reading of, of scripture uh, like that. Someone just, some people just have the voice and the presence for it. That sounds great. Um, and, and I think Richard and Garth and, uh, and, and John Watkins are in that class. When, when I heard, hear them reading, it's like listening to one of these audio books where like, an, oh yeah, that's, that's just the right reading voice. <laughs> um, I love that. So you read that scripture from, uh, from First John, but it's helpful to remind ourselves of, of where we are in this journey. In the first bit of First John, uh, if you remember, we had a trigonometry lesson where we talked about forging, forging uh, fellowship and how in this triangle, if we take a step closer to God, we get closer to each other. Then the second part of First John, we had another maths lesson and we talked about an axiom, that foundational statement of God is light. In him there is no darkness. And uh, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So that, that told us how to take that step closer to each other and closer to God by walking in the light. This next passage in, uh, in John that Richard read is one of those where, you know, it's where I like or sometimes don't like preaching through a Bible book. Because if you preach through a book from beginning to end, there's no verses or scriptures that you can kind of skip over or avoid. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes it is like that in life. You know, I know growing up, I loved my meal, but I wanted to skip over the vegetables. And maybe some kids can relate to that. You know, you love the, you love the, the chicken or the steak or the sausages, but oh, if you can only skip over the broccoli, you know, that'll be making your meal so much better. Um, even if it's a happy vegetable, <laughs> you may not be so happy to eat it. And, and sometimes we face these, we see these scriptures in like, and, hmm, I don't know about this one. Let me just move on to the next one. That's the nice thing about taking it like, okay, we're going to read every bit of this book of John and, and think about it and contemplate it and, and learn from it. And, um, and the, this passage that Richard read talks about, about sin and about confessing our sin and uh, and about lying and things like that, and uh, about making God out to be a liar. Uh, so I thought we'll start off with, uh, it's, it's kind of, it could be kind of heavy scripture, but uh, so let's start off with playing a, a game called uh, Truth or Lie, or Would I Lie to You, based on the, on the game show to, to just lighten things up a bit. So thank you for those who sent me their... Um, who sent me their who sent me their truths or lies, and we're going to play a bit of a game now. I'm going to pick a few of those that were sent to me, um, and you can unmute yourself and ask questions to the person, uh, and then we'll give you the, a minute or two to ask questions, and then we're going to have a poll where we're going to vote 
whether it's a truth or a lie. So here's the first one, Barry, if you can unmute yourself so that you can answer any questions. And Barry has a statement here that we need to figure out. Is it a truth Stefan. or is it, is it a lie? Stefan? Yes. Um, can you give us one minute? Because Barry isn't well, he's in the bathroom. Oh dear, okay, that's okay. Can you so do I someone will... else first? Yes, I'll do someone yeah. else first. Thank you. Um, Charles, can you unmute yourself, please? Sure. So Charles made a statement. He said, I once crash landed an, a plane. Is it the truth or is it a lie? What do you think? Who wants to ask, interrogate Charles a bit to figure this out? Yes, Danny. Did the plane have an engine? No. It was a glider kind of plane. Or maybe. How, how old were you, Charles? Uh, 21. 21. It was that Elsie? Was it, was it, was it a real plane? As, as, as real as planes can be, I guess. Ah, oh, good question. So it wasn't a simulator, maybe. Or a, or a children's toy. Ah. Yeah, that's Who else? Did you wake uh, up after the crash land? <laughs> uh, no. You kept sleeping. <laughs> I, was, I was never asleep. Okay, just checking. <laughs> okay, well, any more? Pilot. Was that Tunde? Was there a co-pilot? in the plane with you? No. Were you in the plane at the time? Yes. <laughs> okay, so... so we, we say if, it's, if we think it's true or not. Right, yeah, so, so we, we, we've uh, had a lot of questions and answers now. Now we're going to have a poll, so if you can, uh, we're going to try this for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so oh, can i just ask so all the yes. questions that were answered were those supposed to be truthful answers we'll soon find out <laughs> how much of a liar you are or not so um usagi is going to pop in the chat box uh, a yes no poll uh, or, or can you can you make it true yeah. or lie um no um unfortunately i'm just trying to poll now it says my meeting id is invalid so we have to think of is that a truth or a lie <laughs> <laughs> that is true so i don't know maybe there's something in the setting for the polls so as a workaround what i think we can do is just type a thumbs up or a thumbs down in the um, chat and i'll count yeah thumbs up or thumbs down in the chat or type From truth now. or yeah. lie so thumbs up means it's truth Thumbs down mean it's a lie, or you can pop in the chat a T for truth, or an L for lie. Okay, oh, all right, that's easier, yeah. A, a T for truth and L for lie, okay. And when I'm ready to stop, I'll tell you. I'm voting twice because I'm uh, voting for Liesl as well. Okay. Liesl's, uh, Leon's got two T's. I, I assume he's voting for Sarah as well, him and Sarah. Okay, no more answers are coming in. Oh, I should vote actually. 
Okay. So I'm going to count now. So we have voting is closed, guys. Okay, truths. Seems like we've got majority truths. Yeah, 12 truths and just a few lies. Just a few lies. So it seems like everybody thinks you're speaking the truth, Charles. Can you reveal? Did you once uh, crash land a plane? Well, it is because I am a man of truth. Um, so, yes, it is true. Wow, what do you know? Well, we're glad you survived it and you can be with us today. <laughs> there was wow. one, one broken wing and one broken uh, landing gear. And wow. no broken arms or legs or bones? No. Wow. Wow. Well wow. That's impressive, man. Yeah. So, carrying on on that topic, um, we'll pick Liesl next. And uh, Barry, please let us know if you're back with us. Uh, we'll pick Liesl next. And do you want to sit a bit closer? <clears throat> um, on the same kind of on the same theme, Liesl says, I once flew a paraglider and I went off course, so I landed in the middle of a cotton field. Is it a truth or is it a lie? Any questions? Any questions for Liesl? In what country was this, Liesl? Uh, Tunde, it was in Zimbabwe. Now everybody's wondering, are there cotton fields in Zimbabwe? Are there mountains in Zimbabwe? <laughs> I won't participate since I know whether this is a truth or a lie. Any other questions? For Liesl? Liesl, which uh, district in Zimbabwe uh, did this happen, please? District? Um, I, I remember, I think it was in the Honda, Honda Valley. H-O-N-D-E. If there is no further questions, then we're going to take a vote. <clears throat> so, please type in the chat box. Do you think it's a truth or a lie? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, lie, lie, lie. <gasps> truth, lie, lie, lie. What? How could you insult my wife like that? Um, you guys. In the chance, they have a She's a liar. Right, I think we're about to close the voting. I'll get five more seconds. Uh, Leon's feeling bad now. Is that a truth? A truth or a lie, Leon? 
How, um, how young were I? We um, okay, yeah. It's, uh, thank you, Aneta. Uh, we're voting now. Did you know, I want, how young were you? Well, I can't exactly remember, but I must have been in my late 20s or early 30s. Okay, let's close the voting. And voting is closed. Voting is closed. Okay, Usagi, if you can count count up yes. the. Let's see how many. I don't think we need to count, but I will count. Oh, you don't have to count. Yeah, you just yeah. get a kind of a majority. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, Liesel, a lot of people think it was a fantasy. <laughs> well, Liesl, well, do you want I to can... reveal to us? Is it a truth or a lie that you once flew a paraglider and you went off course so you landed in the middle of a cotton field? It is in fact the truth. Indeed and shame on you <laughs> called my wife a liar. <laughs> yes indeed. So Barry had some really good ones um, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. um, Barry had some really good ones but unfortunately he's unwell um, so he can't join us, but um, we can maybe, uh, when we have another opportunity, go through Barry's uh, statement because I think they'll make some uh, make for some good fun. Um, uh, let's have the last one, and the last one is from myself. <clears throat> Here's my statement: After many years of training in discipleship, I can finally say that I am without sin. You're free to ask me any questions before we open the voting. Um, Stefan, uh, I can relate to your statement. <laughs> so you've seen me, uh, you know me well enough uh, to know what the answer is. Uh, thank you, Joe. Makers wants to know if I am the second coming. Uh, I could be, you will only know if you know your Bible and what the signs are of the second coming. Well, um, Stefan, seeing how you lace your shoes, yeah, your, your trainers, I, I probably believe that statement. Yeah. That that Thank for anyone to be talking about is a reference to our last men's meeting in the park <laughs> and my comments about about Stefan's trainers. <laughs> You'll have to come and join me for a run if you want to see how I lace my shoes. <clears throat> so, um, hello. We were wondering if uh, I was wondering if Lisa would agree with you. <laughs> so, uh, would Liesl agree with me? We can ask her, Liesl, do you agree with about you lacing with? his shoes? Yes, <laughs> the way I lace my shoes. Yes. About the sin. <laughs> the maker says, I don't think Jesus was S.A. What does that mean? South Africa. Oh, in that way. Uh, show me your hands. Yeah, let's see. Oh, like that. <laughs> uh, sorry, it doesn't fit into the camera. <laughs> trying my best, but... Uh, <laughs> These small little cameras, it's, uh, you, you'll have to be here, then I, I can show you. Okay, if there's no more questions, it's time to vote. Uh, and don't worry, I won't be offended by your vote. So please type in your vote. Uh, I say, 
After many years of training in discipleship, I am finally without sin. Is it the truth or is it a lie? <clears throat> Joe, you can only get one vote. Well, you can have three votes, but that's too many L's. To make case four, four lies, two of the Watkins think it's true. More lies, more lies, false from the Edwards, which is a very gentle way of saying it's a lie. Uh, lie from Ava, lie from Ava, lie from uh, the Palmers. Liesl says I need to add a lie vote from her. I've got a a very straight liar, liar, pants on fire from Elsie. <coughs> Shaw reckons it's true, or maybe that's uh, him just typing in Zaki's answer there. Who knows? And uh, I think if there's no more votes, it's time to close the voting. No more votes. Okay, Usagi, do you want to add up the votes and? Um, yes. So for this one, be a close call, important. I think. Yeah, it's important to count this one. So, truth. Let's see. So, so Liesl, unfortunately, has to go. She's doing uh, COVID reporting this weekend. She just had a short break. So there's six truths. Six people agree that it's true. And how many lies? Let's see. Makey says my nose is growing. I should have covered it before I had you voting. And I mean, I'll say 10 lies if you count the Mackinsons as one. But they did say times four, so that'll make it 14. Um, so yeah, more people think it's a lie. More people think it's a lie. Okay, so I can finally re reveal. After many years of training in discipleship, I am without sin. Is that true or a lie? Elsie is clearly showing that it is a lie. <laughs> yes, of course it's a lie. We just read the scripture as someone, I think the Watkins said, on the basis of that scripture that we just read, it must be a lie. So either I'm lying, or as it says in verse 10, I make out God to be a liar. Because uh, the scripture said, if, uh, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So who, who was really deceived by this statement? I think some played along and said, oh, it's true, kind of playing along. But I don't think anybody was deceived by, by this statement. Even if you don't know me, even if you only met me today, just by the scripture, you would know that, no, this can't be true. Um, even, even as we grow and mature in our, in our lives as disciples and we mature in our righteousness and we, we tend to put certain sins behind us uh, and, and we kind of do grow in our purity and our holiness. Um, if we claim to be completely without sin, we do deceive ourselves. 
and, uh, and the truth is not in us. And the, uh, and the scripture is, is quite clear about that. So that is one of the foundational things about what this whole chapter is about, is for us to be able to, to take that step closer to God, to grow in our fellowship, to be in the light, uh, a large part of that is acknowledging our sin. How do we do that? And, and, and what is sin? In verse 9, it uh, starts off by saying, if we confess our sins. What is this thing called sin that we need to confess? And as before, uh, in our previous two maths lessons, where we talked about trigonometry and axioms, it's time for another maths lesson. And today we're going to talk about circles and the maths of a circle. So I'm going to draw again a, a circle, well, kind of a circle, it's not very round. That doesn't look much like a circle at all. But anyway, let's, 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 uh, let's pretend it is a circle. If you see a circle like that, can you exactly calculate the size of that circle? Is there a way to calculate that, the, the, the area? If I want to know how big is this circle? So what is the... If I say this is a target that I'm aiming at, let's say this, is a, this circle is a target that I'm trying to shoot at, and I want to know how big is my target? How big is the target? Well, it's the, it's the area of the circle. Is it possible to calculate the area of the circle, the size of the circle? So Aneta says if the radius is known, Yes, the area can be calculated. How do we do that if we know the radius? I'm so glad we've got a maths teacher in our, in our yeah. fellowship. We can, pi r squared is uh, one of the Watkins. Pi r squared. So r is the radius squared. So the radius times itself. That's easy. If we know the radius times pi. Oh, that sounds simple then. But here's the thing. To calculate this uh, area of the circle, we need to know what pi is. Do we actually know exactly what pi is? Does anybody know? Tunde says it's 22 over 7. 22 over 7 is a rough approximation. Watkins says it's 3.14157. They made a good start. They've got one, two, three, four, five digits there. Aneta says it is a constant. It is a constant indeed. But do we know exactly what pi is? Well, actually, we don't. In fact, people have been trying to calculate pi for literally thousands of years. The first calculation of pi was, uh, they uh, an attempt was made at it um, several thousand years before Christ already. In, uh, in China and in Arabia and in, um, uh, in Persia, they, they talked about the existence of pi and tried to calculate it. 
In fact, the most recent calculation of pi uh, was, that was confirmed was made on the 29th of January this year. And a guy called Timothy Mulliken has been calculating for 303 days, running on some very powerful computers, and calculated pi to 50 billion billion digits. Now, 50 billion billion looks like this. It's, it's, uh, it's 50. And then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 50 and 12 zeros, 50 billion digits after the decimal. So 3.14157, and you carry on like that for 50 billion billion digits. That's how far is calculated pi. And they still don't know if that's the end of pi. And if it just carries on and on and on and on, it doesn't repeat, there's no pattern to it, and they don't know what the end of it is. So, if we want to say, hang on, this is the circle, this circle is the target that I'm aiming for, and I want to know exactly how big the circle is, and if I know exactly how big the circle is, then I can hit the target, well, you can actually never exactly hit the target because you don't even know how big the target is. What has this got to do with sin? Now, this is interesting. The Greek word for sin comes from uh, a term that is used in bow and arrow shooting when you shoot at a target. So, you know, when, you, when you're shooting at a target, you have, you have a target that looks like like this, where you've got circles, concentric circles, and then right in the middle, you've got a, a dot. And you aim for that dot in the middle of the target. But nobody's really that good that they can shoot all the arrows on the target. Even the Olympic uh, arrow shooters and, and, and bow and arrow shooters would maybe like hit one there, hit one there, hit one there. Occasionally one strays and it goes there. Nobody actually completely 100% hits the target. And the word for sin comes from missing the target. So it means I'm aiming at the target, but I don't quite hit it. I miss it. It's missing the target. Now, if we think about sin in that way, as missing the target or falling short, it kind of changes our perspective on sin and how it is that it says, well, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves. If we rephrase that and say, well, um, if I claim to never miss the mark, then I deceive myself. It's like, oh yeah, that's true. Doesn't matter how my, how, how how accurate I am. Sometimes I will miss the mark. In Romans three, uh, it talks about we all fall short of the glory of God. So sin is really that falling short of the complete perfection of God. So even if we say the target has fifty billion billion. Uh, points in its accuracy. 
we can still fall short because we don't know, even know, or can we can our minds cannot even comprehend what the perfection of God is like. And sometimes with sin, and I see that in myself, I compare myself with myself, and I look back at my how my life was 25 years ago before I was saved and became a disciple and decided to change my life. And compared to how I was then, I look at myself and think like, wow, I am so holy now. Because then I truly, I was a liar. I was a compulsive liar. And uh, there was certainly very little truth in me. And I look at back, back at that and where I am now, where I kind of like can mostly tell the truth all the time, almost. And I think like, wow, yeah, I'm almost without sin. But if I compare myself with the actual target that I'm aiming for, which is to be like God for his perfection, then I realize, wow, I actually still fall so far short. And when we talk about the confessing our sin, it's helpful to think about that. It's helpful to think about what sin is. Sin is not just a list of do's and don'ts and don't do this, don't do that, and and to confess what I haven't done or co confess wrong things I have done. Um, but to think about, to confess what, how I fall short of the target, how I fall short of the mark. And if we, a lot of sentences in the Bible, if we read about sin, if we substitute it with missing the mark, it kind of makes it more relatable and understandable for us what sin really is. The second, the first bit of verse 9 says, if we confess our sins. Now, what is confession? Um, the word to confess, the Greek is homologeo, and it, it really means homo, the same as, or in agreement with, and logos, the word. So it means to agree with a word. What do we agree with? It means I agree with something that is said. So in the context of sin, if I, if I confess, I acknowledge my sin. It means I own it. I take responsibility for it. I, I agree that I've fallen short. I agree that I've missed the mark. So confession is, is the story where Sometimes we think it's only about, oh yeah, I, I confess the bad things that I did. I tell someone else about it. And there's a story of the, the four priests, um, or four preachers, who met for a, for a friendly gathering as priests, you know, to talk about them, you know, have some fellowship. And then during this conversation, one of them said, you know what, the four of us, we, we're all priests and, and people come to us and pour out their hearts, they confess their sins and they do that because they feel safe with us and, and we know they do it because they know their confession is, can, can, be, can be trusted and, um, and, and they know it's good for the soul. So how about, you know, as four priests, why don't we confess our sins to each other? Um, because it will be good for us, and we know this is a safe place where you know, our, our confession will be, will be uh, kept secret. And they talked about it a bit, and in, in, in a while they all agreed and said, yeah, this is a good idea. 
So the first one said, let me start. And he said, yeah, I really want to confess. Um, you know, at, at least once a week, I go to the pub and I get completely drunk. And uh, that kind of opened the door. And the second priest said, yeah, you know what? Um, I'm actually addicted to smoking. Uh, every night uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, before I go to bed, I smoke at least one or two cigars. And, and um, that's my confession. And then the third one says, oh, well, now that you've confessed it, uh, I can also open up and, and tell you that uh, I have to confess that I'm actually secretly addicted to gambling. And uh, I keep on, I vote, on, I, I bet on the horses, I bet on the dogs, I bet on the sports games. And uh, so the first three confessed. And then the fourth one, he was like, in, he just sat there and he shook his head and he pursed his lips. And he's like, and, and, and the other one said, but, Hey, all three of us confessed. Are you not, are you not going to confess? And he sat there and he shook his head. He didn't want to say anything. And they said, come now, we confessed ours. You know, it, it can't be that bad. What is your secret? What is your vice that you're struggling with? And finally, the fourth one said, okay, if you, if you have to, if I really have to share this, he said, well, my problem is gossiping. And to be honest, I can hardly wait to get out of here. Um, so, I mean, that's a little joke about confession. But, you know, this kind of joke, in this joke, the first three confessed about, you know, the kind of typical vices that people think about confessing their sins. The fourth one was actually about more a kind of a, a different kind of sin, a character kind of sin, falling short in character not to be like the character of God. Um, what, the, what, what, what these four did is, is actually what the Bible teaches us. The first question we should ask ourselves, if it says in verse 9 here, that if we confess our sins, is okay, who do we confess to? Um, and there's different, if we, if we look, look through the Bible, there's different parts to that, who do we confess to. The very word confess actually means to acknowledge. So it starts with ourselves. And uh, th that for me is a challenge sometimes. I, I sometimes need to actually contemplate and sit and think about my sin because I kind of like, and like to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. Um, so the first step is to acknowledge and confess almost to yourself and, and acknowledge your own sin, my own sin. In James 5, we read that it says we need to confess our sins to each other. So who do we confess to? Well, we confess to each other. And then this is directed at Christians. So as, as brothers and sisters, as a fellowship in the church where we feel and should feel safe with each other to open up towards each other and, and confess our sins and acknowledge to each other. It could even go to the point, as we read in Acts 19, where it says uh, people came and they openly confessed their sins in public. So sometimes we confess our sins in public. You know, but in a way like I'm doing now, you know, sharing about my sins. And then uh, in, in the book of Daniel, we read that Daniel confessed his sins to God. So when we confess, who do we confess to? Well, it could be either one or all of the above. Um, and I think it, it's almost a progression. First of all, acknowledge to yourself, confess to God, and then confess to each other.
Um, and then what do we confess? Well, you know, this whole Bible of, you know, we can, we can go to the Bible and, and read about sins. Some of the things, and I think it's helpful to think about when we think about what do we confess? In what ways do we fall short of the glory of God? Takes us beyond the, the to-do list and the don't-do list to the very character and the essence and the being of God. And a helpful way to think, uh, think of it, what to confess, is to think hand, head, heart. What does that mean? Hand? Oh, the things I do. Like the guy that confessed, oh yeah, I get drunk too much. That's the thing you do. Head, the things I think. Uh, the Bible talks about having evil thoughts as being ungodly. And heart, the things I feel. It's like an, oh, is it, can it, is it sinful to feel things? Well, some of our emotions or feelings can be sinful. Um, so if we feel hatred, for example, uh, that could be sinful, something to confess. If we feel resentment, um, and, and that's a helpful way to think about things. What, do you, what is it that I should be confessing? But if we think, uh, uh, you know, that's a, kind of the teaching behind it. The hardest thing about confession and confessing our sins for myself, and you may be like this, or you may be like, ah, not for, no problem for me. Some people are just like that. They, their whole lives are so open. Uh, but for me, it's, uh, I sometimes struggle with confession. And then maybe we can put something in the chat box or please feel free to unmute yourself. Why do you think it is hard for us sometimes to confess our sins, especially to each other, but even sometimes to ourselves? Or why is it hard to confess to God? Or why is it hard to confess to another brother or sister? So you can unmute yourself if you want to share something or if you want to pop it in the chat box, um, I can read it out. So there's uh, one comment that says, I won't read out the names. Um, one comment says it's uh, uh, shame and pride. Um, yeah, those two are two big things. Uh, I, I know for me, that's like, I feel ashamed sometimes of my sin, and that makes, makes it hard for me to even talk about it. Pride is kind of a way of uh, saying like, yeah, I don't want to look bad. I want to, you know, look good. That's pride. Um, from the Makis, uh, that was the Edwards, uh, from the Makis, uh, fearful of being judged. Yeah, it's a kind of like in, I, I can identify with that, you know, it's a, it's a fear of being rejected almost or not being accepted. And when we feel like we're being judged, people are, think less of us or we feel kind of not part of the community anymore. Um, that fear, fear itself, yeah. Um, the Watkins says, because it makes us feel like we failed at the basics. Wow, yeah, that's true. We, we can feel like failure. Um, if I confess this, it's like a man. I'm, I'm still on, on, on baby milk instead of solid food. Uh, the Ulifir says, I think it's about self-worth. Difficult to think of myself the way I know God feels about me. Wow, there's a lot in that statement. Um, so much of that I can identify with. I, 
I don't want to disappoint God. I, I think of myself less. I feel like I'm unworthy. Um, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of depth there. Yeah, we don't want to confess because it, it, it kind of breaks down our self-worth or think we, God will think less of us. Um, the maker says we don't feel loved by the hearer. Wow, yeah, sometimes it is. Maybe, maybe sometimes we've even had a bad experience where we were judged or we were heavily rebuked or we were unloved because of our confession. Um, I've experienced that as well. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of potential for us to, to shrink back and hold back from, from confession, and, and, and that makes it hard for us. Um, no, in, in, the, in the scripture in James, it says, confess your sins to each other, and then it follows on by pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that scripture really helped me a lot over my life as a disciple. It still helps me because I know that when I confess, um, I can get healed, and I don't have to fight my battle alone anymore. And that has so much value for me when I know that someone says, a brother, and like, what can he do about my character sin? You know, it's, it's my character that needs to change. But if he knows and he says, I'm praying for you, then it gives me strength to, to persevere and overcome. And if I know that if I confess, it brings healing, uh, that helps me to confess. Confession is, is, is incredibly liberating. It breaks the bonds and the power that Satan have over our hearts. And it brings mercy and forgiveness. Um, in Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That is the most encouraging thing about, about confession, is that with confession comes forgiveness, mercy, healing, and a sense of relief that, uh, that I can move on. And when we start putting it into practice, it is, uh, it is so empowering and liberating. Uh, and, you know, I, li I like like that fourth priest. I like gossiping about Malcolm when he's not on the call. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to one of Malcolm's lessons about preparing a, preparing a class. And Malcolm said, well, one of the things about preparing a class or preparing a lesson or preparing a sermon is a week or two or sometime before you do it, you read the passage and then you start putting it into practice. So it's not just theory, but you actually practice it before you preach it. And I was thinking about that, and I'm not sure if it was deliberate, but it must have been on my mind. Um, earlier in the week, I met with some brothers, and, uh, and we had a great talk. And, and one of the brothers confessed some resentment in his heart. And I was like, wow, that is really courageous. That's really brave to talk about a very deep emotion and, and uh, an issue like that. And, and to open up about that. And then uh, um, afterwards, uh, um, I had some time with, uh, with a brother in the car when I went to drop him off. And, and I opened up, I, 
I, I told him, I said, you know what, for, for some time now, for probably the last, I don't know, year and a half, I feel like my, my zeal has cooled down. My, my love has, I've, I've held back on my love. And, and I feel like a little bit numb, like I'm not sharp. You know, like a knife that's not sharp anymore. It needs sharpening. I, I feel a bit numb in my, in my love and my zeal for, for God and for people and in the way I care about people. And, and I shared that with a brother. And, you know, it was so encouraging. What, what brought healing to me is the, is the understanding I received, the, the love I received, and the encouragement. He said, you know what? And uh, if you're musical, you may relate to this. I'm not musical, but at least I understand that most of your guitar, you know, the guitar that you play has six strings. And he said, you know what? You may be a four-string guitar with two broken strings, uh, a six-string guitar with four working strings and two broken strings, but you can still play a tune on a four-string guitar. And I found that so encouraging that that my confession also brought encouragement and healing and uh, a brother that said, you know, he'll, he'll pray for me and, and that I don't need to have a sense of lesser worth because of, because I'm falling short, because I'm falling short of either where I want to be or where God uh, expects me to be. I know what the target is. The target is to be full of zeal and to completely love my neighbor as myself. But I fall short of the target. I miss the target. I fall short of the mark. Um, but it was so encouraging, encouraging to know and to get that feedback that, yeah, even if I'm just a four-string guitar, I can still produce a melody and I can still make music and, and, and make a sound. And it was so encouraging. And I want to encourage uh, all of us um, in the week to come and, and, and not only in the week to come, but after that as well, but to really think about uh, if there's something on your heart that uh, you know you want to confess, but you're struggling with it, to take that step of courage, acknowledge it to yourself, confess it to God, and then confess it to a brother or a sister that, uh, that you can trust that will wrap that confession in love and encourage you and strengthen you um, and, and, uh, and to, to, to bring you to healing as we all need with our shortcomings. You know, in verse nine uh, of this passage of our theme passage, it says, if we confess our sins, so it first tells us, you know, we need to confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he, talking about God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Guess what? We have another axiom, another foundational statement, a truth, a promise in the Bible that God tells us and he says, you know what? God tells each one of us, if you confess, I will forgive your sins, and I will purify you from unrighteousness. 
I find so much comfort in that, that whatever I think of myself or whatever low esteem I sometimes have of myself, whatever doubts I have in myself, uh, however I think that worthless I am, what a sinner I am, um, that in God's eyes, that forgiveness purifies me in his eyes. And it enables me to have fellowship with him. And it kind of wraps up this whole passage of 1 John, that confession brings us into the light where God is. And if we all confess our sins to each other, then we all step into the light together. And we're in that triangle where we step closer to God because we step in the light and it brings us closer to each other as we uh, confess our sins, but not because we become more perfect, but because God purifies us in the process. We're about to have a communion now. And as we have the bread, um, and the fruit of the vine. We have that to remind us of how the broken body of Christ and the blood that was spilled of Christ was spilled to purify us from the sins that we confess. So let's reflect on that as we have the bread and the wine and let's pray um, for the communion. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you so much that you are a merciful God and that you promise us that if we confess and renounce that uh, you forgive our sins. Thank you for the body of your son, Jesus Christ, that was broken on the cross. And thank you for his blood that was spilt so that we could be purified and forgiven from our sins. Father, we praise you and thank you for that. Please forgive us our sins. Please continue to forgive our sins. The sins that we confess, the sins that we are aware of, and the sins that we don't even know that we, uh, that we fall short, Father. Father, thank you that you are a merciful and gracious God. And uh, we pray that you bless this bread and this fruit as a life in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.